0: Hebrews uh, verse eleven. I'm sorry, chapter eleven. Um, me, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter eleven a little bit later, but I want us to just go ahead and read through a few verses. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's start in verse 1, and let's see. We'll read verse 1, and then I want to jump down. Uh, We're going to look at more of chapter 11, but then I want to also jump to chapter 12 and do 1 and 2. So start in 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Now, look at chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me pray. God, open up the uh, eyes and ears of all who hear, that we might know your truth. God, and lead all that is said. May nothing that be said not be your truth for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we started um, Advent. And Advent uh, just is a word that just means coming. And the the obvious connection there to this time of the year is the celebration our um, acknowledgement of God God sending His Son in the form of human flesh born of a virgin. And we set aside this time of the year to celebrate, to consider, to meditate on on what God has done through His Son and the inauguration of His life and His birth, but also his second coming, which we talked about last week, uh, we began last week with hope. As I was getting ready last weekend, I and I was going through the sermon and thinking about the songs. I told Sylvia, I was like, this weekend is going to set off a chain reaction in our house. Like, the the songs are about to be crazy. Like, and and it, we didn't even get halfway down this road, and all the girls were doing were just singing the Christmas hymns. Like, they just over and over and it did it set off a a reaction in our house which was a really good thing and it's uh, it it is a a joyful time Um, but as i mentioned last week we we can have a tendency to kind of dread or despise this time of year and i that's very understandable if our focus is on the things of the world in this time of year If we get lost in the purchasing, the gifts, the family gatherings, even the fairy tales. But if we approach this time of year, if we approach this season seeking to be reminded of the hope of salvation found in scriptures. We don't despise it, but we find true joy and peace. As we take time to be intentional, we, we find true joy and peace in the love of God and the giving of His Son for the deliverance of our sin. This season is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. There's a passage in, I believe it's Second Timothy, it says, when we are faithless, God is still faithful because he cannot deny himself. He is faithful. It's a time to prepare our hearts for, guess what? Potentially, another year of waiting. Another year of waiting on Christ's return, on the fulfillment of, his, of the promise of God to, to send Christ again. Not just to send him, but to establish this kingdom forever upon his earth and to set Christ as king over all. So this week we we turn from hope or last we turn from hope to faith this week. And as you'll notice, hope and faith are really close. It's like they're twins, but not identical twins. They 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 look alike, they share some characteristics, but there's some differences. Um and to to, to can't take that analogy any further, but typically you meet hope first, and then when you have some hope, faith has to follow. Um, When we're we're surrounded and drowned by the cultural Christmas coming at us, uh, the commercials, the Hallmark movies, the advertisements, hope is a word you see a lot, hear a lot. Peace is a word you hear a lot. Joy is a word that you hear a lot. And most unbelievers don't have a problem with those three words. But you notice faith isn't really a big theme in cultural Christmas. In the stores, and the movies, and even some of the songs. Um, and there's a reason behind it. They might not be approaching it head on. But true, true biblical faith... The faith we're going to discuss today demands something of you. It is demanding of you. You know, and if we see faith in this Christmas whatever that goes on around us, it's usually in this form of like belief, you know, that we our kids kind of have this belief in this fiction or fairy tale, and, you know, we're excited about it, and we set it up there. But what happens What happens over time? That belief goes away. Because there is no truth. But the faith of Scripture is built upon eternal truth. Which is another reason why you don't see faith as a theme in cultural Christmas. Because our culture wants to not deny eternal truth. Objective truth. So, what we want to see, what we want to understand, this faith of Advent is grounded in eternal truth. It is divine. It is trusting. Faith is trusting in the hope of Christ within. Faith is trusting in the hope of Christ within, which is then expressed outwardly in how you live. Um, so what I want us to do this morning is I want to take a quick minute to look at faith, really just a few bullet points about faith. And then I want us to flip back to, we'll look in Hebrews to help us with that. Then I want to flip, flip back to Luke and see how that's expressed in that, in, in chapter Luke chapter one with Mary's interaction with the angel, um, so if you're still in Hebrews, hang out there for a minute. What is faith? Let's give, it, let's give it some, a little bit of a definition, just something that's easy. Faith is belief that does. Okay, I know that's a short, almost too simple, but faith is belief that does. Or we can look at it as faith is Trust that depends. Okay, and the example I always like to use is... Uh, we got anybody who's jumped out of an airplane before? No? So you can say if if your best friend wants to go uh, skydiving and it's their birthday and you want to go along with them and you get up there in the airplane... And they say, you're going to jump with me, right? And, and you're like, um, I don't know yet. And they're like, well, you know the parachute. You, I mean, you trust these people that put this together. And you're like, yeah, I do. I trust them. I, I, I do. I, I know everything's going to be okay. I, I believe that the parachute will come out. I'm just not sure yet. And so when the time comes... You're like, yes, I know it'll work. Everything will be fine. I'm just going to stay on the plane. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I do believe that it'll work. But I'm not going to jump. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith believes and does. Biblical faith trusts. And what did I say? depends (laughs) relies on right you can't say you trust something and then never actually lean against it you can't say you believe something and then not actually let that belief come from you and through you and how you live this is biblical faith now there's a few things that i was thinking through and these came out of my reading of mary's interaction with um, out uh, with the angel, but also with the idea of faith in general throughout Scripture. So, four things quickly that I want to think about. Um, number one, faith is a gift from God. Okay, faith is a gift from God. Um, so if I if 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 we had a little exercise, and I asked you. Um, why do you believe or trust God? And I asked you to write that down. Why do you believe or trust in God? And think about that for a minute. Why do you? Is it because you paid closer attention in the Sunday school class when you were a kid? Um, was it because, you know, you see the wisdom in what the scriptures say, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to believe this stuff. Um, maybe you had, you're like, oh, I had the best Sunday school teacher when I was a kid. Um, or maybe, oh, I I had, you know, I had a rough life and I decided that I think I'm going to try this believing in Jesus and I'm going to, I'm going to depend on him. I'm going to trust because because mm, nothing else has really worked. So why do you say you believe and trust? Can you explain? Now, so let me ask you this. Can you explain your faith without boasting? Can you say, can you figure out if you're going to stand before the Lord and he says, only those who have faith may enter. Uh, why, how do you have faith? Is your answer going to be boasting before God? Well, I just, I just knew a little bit more about it. And so, you know, I, I believed. Or I understood it a little bit better. What? Or I, I, just, I just, you know, I just did it. Is that your answer? Can you answer without boasting before God about your faith? Uh, I'll read this. So you stay in Hebrews. Ephesians 2. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him. A result of something that you did, or is it a gift of God? Um, I remember I couldn't find it. I think it's Matthew Henry, an old Puritan um, pastor and theologian. He said, Faith is like eyes for the spiritual blind, faith is like eyes for the spiritual blind. So, you dead in your sin and trespass, trespasses are blind to your need. And you're blind to the fact that you're standing on the edge of of hell. And faith opens your eyes and shows you your condition, shows you where you are. Faith alerts you of your need of a Savior. No man has ever opened his own blind eyes. And you think about the blind that Jesus healed. He gave sight to the blind. Faith is a gift from God. So if it is a gift, number two, and this is kind of taking that and running with it, but also thinking about the Word and its, um, and its form, faith is a possession Faith is something you possess. The way that we consider it, it's something you have, right? You're walking out to the car to come to church, and y'all look at each other, you, you're, you and your spouse. You go, you got the keys? I don't have the keys. You have the keys? Somebody has to have the keys on them. And you're like, oh yeah, I have them. They're in my pocket. What's well, faith? Faith is it's either in you or it's not. You possess it. it. It 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 has been given to you as a gift by God. You now possess it. It's not and it, it's not like there's this much faith and there's this much faith. Faith is faith. Now, how faithful you are to it is another question. But faith is a gift given by by God for you to possess. You either have it or you don't. And don't get caught up in the televangelist preachers who say, if you have enough faith, then you will be healed. Or if you have enough faith, you will have this much money. Or if you have enough faith, your grandma isn't going to die. Your faith has nothing to do with those things. Because you don't have enough faith for any of that. God's faithfulness takes care of those things. And if God does not want you to have money, you won't have money. But you can still be faithful to the God of your redemption and deliverance from sin and death and hell. And if that means your bank account is empty, praise be to God. Faith is a gift from God faith is a possession it is a noun but faith if it's something that you possess and I, I I struggled with this because I don't basically what I just said I don't want this to sound contradictory to that faith is something you use I had a I, I really struggled with using that phrase faith is something you use so if you continue the car analogy which. I'm gonna. It doesn't. If you have the keys, you have to use them to start the car, right? You got to use them, or it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You, but you get the keys so that you can drive the car. You have tools so that you can perform whatever task that needs to be performed. Look at Hebrews. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter eleven. And I'll connect it. I don't know why I didn't think about this. This part, that the faith is something you use. It's that belief that does. It's the does part. Uh, the trust that depends. That's you using it. Not just saying you have it, but you've been given it in order to use it. And we'll, we'll figure out how we're going to use it in, in just a second. So Hebrews 11 And if you keep in mind, last week, as we talked about hope, we talked about hope, we we keep that in mind, we'll see here, 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, hoped for, future expectation. It's the conviction of things not seen. Uh... For by it, verse 2, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that uh, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4, by faith, so imagine using, okay, keep on thinking about using. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5, we're using faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Uh, look at verse 7. I skipped verse 6 on purpose. We'll come back to it. By faith... Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Now, did he construct an ark with a hammer? Yeah, but what else did he construct an ark with? His faith. His faith. He constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he uh, condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Uh, so when are we using it? When are we using faith? Uh, if, you're tr- if, if you are trying to live a life following Christ, you are using your faith. You have to. To follow Christ you have to use faith. Again, I don't really like the word use, but you'll see what I mean. Because when when you follow Christ, when you're living a life in this world, which is condemned, which is passing away, which is cursed, and you're trying to keep your eyes on the unseen, you gotta walk by faith, right? When you're... uh, Trying to live this life in Christ, in this world, surrounded by sin, dealing with your own sin, it seems impossible. And apart from what God can do, it is impossible. And so those are the two scenarios within our lives, and we could break it down and do it more. But as followers of Christ, living, our, living a life for God's glory in this world, you will deal with the unseen you have to deal with the things that are not seen, and you have to deal with the impossible. And that's what Hebrews 11 is telling us. All, if you read all of Hebrews 11, you see this. Look at verse 7 again. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. What had he not seen? Rain. Not only rain, a big old flood he could not see it but by faith he could verse look at verse 8 by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going he didn't have his gps on his phone he didn't know what was, he didn't know, you know, what gas stations were at what exit. He was going to a place he had no idea about. He had never seen it. Didn't even know the way. But he went, how? By faith. He believed, he trusted, he did it. He did it. Uh, now, verse 11. Let's switch from unseen to impossible. Let me just tell you, to live a life in Christ apart from God is impossible. You know what, we're, I'm almost getting too far ahead of myself. Verse 11, the impossible. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age Since she considered him faithful who had promised, she was barren and old. And she even laughed at the thought of having a baby. It was impossible. But by faith, she conceived. Verse 17 By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. That's just in itself. Almost feels impossible to sacrifice your own child. But by faith he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. That's impossible. But by faith, Abraham knew that it was not impossible. Verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. That's impossible. That's impossible. But by faith, they did. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled for seven days. They walked around it and played their instruments. There ain't no way a wall is going to fall down like that. But they obeyed. They took their instruments and marched around the walls, just like we read at, uh, at Midian, a Sunday school. Belief, trust, and action that follows. So, what's the purpose? Faith is a gift from God. It is something you possess. It is something you use. Now go back to verse 6. The whole point of faith is that you might live a life pleasing to God. Because apart from it, you cannot. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith, is it it is impossible to please Him. We must use faith... We use faith, we say, believe and be saved. If that belief does not extend through your life, there is no salvation. The righteous live by faith. That's quoted over and over again in Scripture. The just live by faith. Is your priority in life to please God? Or do you have other priorities? To please yourself? To please your spouse? To please your boss? In order to live a life of any worth, it must be a life set on pleasing God, but that only can be done through trusting and believing who He is, what He has said, and in doing that, you will do. You will depend. There is a problem with false faith. False faith says, I believe. False faith typically can, or it can show itself in many ways. Um, the, the does or depends part turns into, well, I go to church. I believe and I go to church. So I'm hoping that pleases God. That should please God. No, that's false faith. False faith might also say, I believe I don't have to go to church and I worship at home. Eh, I don't know. Um, what if someone came to you and said, I'd love to have dinner with you, with your family, but your wife can't come. I'm kind of going off track here, but... To say you believe and yet you do not want to have anything to do with the bride of Christ would lead me to believe that you don't care about the groom. False faith can be a th- It's a deadly thing. False faith typically takes the first part, belief and trust, and says, I have those things, but there's no action There's no depending. There's no obedience. Faith says, I believe. I give myself to Jesus because I need Him and I love Him. Jesus says, to believe means to eat and drink. To feed on Him. Go and read John 6 this week and see that faith looks like constant... If you don't eat, you die. If you don't drink, you die. Faith is depending upon Jesus like you depend on food and water. You're not like, I had lunch Thursday. I'm good until next Thursday. No. Faith is... We read it in, uh, in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you think something tastes good, what do you want? More. And the thing about the thing about Christ is you get satisfied, yet you want more. How great would that be at Thanksgiving, to get to just eat and be satisfied, but can still eat more, be eat satisfied, still get more. That don't happen, but that is Christ. And faith in Christ says, give me more, because it's doing something to me. And if, if your faith in Christ is not doing something to you, then you are eating the wrong thing. Or as Jesus said, you are chasing after the bread that perishes. Okay, so let's go to Mary, Luke 1. And we'll go through this quick. Luke 1, uh, starting, let's just look at 32. What we have in 32, Luke 1, 32, is what we talked about last week, hope. The angel proclaims hope to Mary, and is actually the message that is, is, is then proclaimed to the world that you will bear a son, And in 32, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. The message of hope, hope, a confident expectation that that thing is gonna happen. But then we also remembered, as I said last week, where there is hope, there is also waiting. And how do you wait? By faith. You wait By faith. And here's where those two obstacles begin. Look what we see in verse 34. The first one. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? It's impossible. Right? It's impossible. How? How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Okay? So then we think, how do we overcome the impossible? You don't. It's impossible. But God does. Verse 36. Let's jump ahead. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And if you remember in Matthew uh, 19 or so, not only did did Jesus say that all things are possible with God, but he also said, with man this is impossible. With man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So how do we as Christians respond to the impossible? Well, what we don't do is pull up our boots, tie up our belt, and try to do it. On our own. Don't hear me. That I, I'm not saying we're lazy people. I'm not saying we're people that do not put effort in. I'm saying we do it in a way that everyone else doesn't. Um, just just an example, and I'll read this to you. Paul, when he's uh, writing to the, Colossi, uh, the, the, the people at Colossia, he says... Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. He's working, struggling with all his energy that he, God, powerfully works within me. We don't take on the impossible because we can't. We don't pull up our boots and go to try to do it. But we trust in the one who can do all things. So how do you do that? How do you trust in the one who can do all things? You submit to him. We don't like to submit to people. You submit. Uh, what is the word uh, we use when we're wrestling? Uncle. <laughs> you tap out. I'm in a place where I'm, I, I can't do it. I'm hopeless right now. You got me. And that's what we need to do to the Lord. Uncle. It's you. You win. Always. I'm yours. I submit. And then this is what we say. When we're ready to, to, to work, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Now, here's the warning. Don't take this as a way to accomplish worldly ambitions. This isn't me giving you a help, self-help speech for you to become the best person that you can be and do what you want to do out there. No. We don't live by faith so that we can receive stuff in this life. right? Advent is, Advent is in the theme of waiting. What are we waiting on? We're waiting on the next life. We live by faith for the next life. It is impossible for you to please, God, love your enemy or come to Christ without the triune God. It's impossible to live within this life without the triune God. Um, We don't want to take. To use God for our own gain. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. How do we do such a thing? By faith. Okay, number two, the second obstacle, verse 35. The angel answered her. So first, the impossible, how? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. All right, so Mary will never see the process of her pregnancy. She won't see it. The Holy Spirit, whom you can't see, will come upon you. The power of the Most High, whom you can't see, will overshadow you. And a child will be conceived and born. But you go figure, Mary. By faith. By faith. God is asking Mary to believe and submit, to trust and obey. And this is what we are called to do to live for a kingdom that you cannot see. To bow to a king that you cannot see with your own eyes. You can think about Jesus and Thomas' conversation after Jesus rose from the dead and came back to the disciples, and Thomas was doubting; he did not believe, but God or Jesus showed him the holes in his hands and the the hole in his side and, and Thomas believed. But what did Jesus tell Thomas? You have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Which apart from the 500 or so and Paul has been everyone since and includes you and I. We come to Christ the unseen. We live for a kingdom that we cannot see. Uh, but the, the uh, we live by faith in this world, knowing that there are things that we cannot see. Remember Elijah and his servant and they're surrounded by their enemy and in prophet fashion, Elisha prays to the uh, or his servant is, is nervous because they're surrounded by their enemy. And Elisha prays to God and says, Open his eyes. Let him see the reality of the unseen. And God showed him that there were chariots and angels there, ready. Unseen, but a reality. Now you're not going to get that opportunity. You will not get that opportunity, but you've been given something greater a gift of God, and that gift is faith to see the unseen. Then Mary's response, look at Mary's response, verse 38. If this is not faith, I don't know what is. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me According to your word. Two things we see again submission. True faith acknowledges God as master, Lord, and submits to Him in humility. Notice what she is to Him a servant, a slave. What does that m- imply? I am beneath you, I am yours. And then in the submission is obedience. Let it be according. Let it be to me according to your word. No bargaining. No, well, how about I meet you halfway? But it's you say it, I'll do it. You say it, God, I'll do it. And what does God want you to do? You're not going to be in Mary's shoes, right? How do you know what God wants you to do? How do you know how He wants you to live your life? What obedience looks like for you in your life? Well, they do two things. You get on your knees and ask, number one. And number two, you don't wait for the answer, but you go and look for it. And then you listen. You pray, you read, and you listen. And you're not you're not listening. You're not listening for something for this big giant thing to flash across your 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 eyes. Or you're not all God has spoken. He has spoken, but you need to ask for guidance. So as we turn to the Lord's table here this morning. So we're participating and celebrating in Advent as we do this every month. Did you realize that? Every month that we partake, we're actually kind of participating and celebrating the coming of Christ. Um, Paul, we won't turn there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, when you eat and drink today or any day, you eat and drink in faith. You believe and trust number one, what God has said he has done, and what he said will happen, he will do. And you eat and you drink in the hope of awaiting the fulfillment of His return. And when He returns, this faith that we discussed, this hope that we've talked about, it will be no more. Faith and hope have no point when Christ returns. Why? Because the expectation has happened. The unseen is seen. The impossible is possible. Faith and hope is gone and all that remains is is love as you peer into the eyes of God. That is impossible. But one day it will be. Until then, I tell you, put your faith in Christ, and with that faith, look to the unseen, long for the hope of eternity, trust in Christ and follow Him. Now, as we... Open up the table. Uh, This table is open for all who trust in Christ and who believe in him. It is not for those outside of Christ, just for his bride. And we welcome his bride to come and to eat, to remember, and to look forward And also be aware of the warning of partaking in an unworthy manner. That doesn't mean that, oh, I sinned this morning, I cannot partake. You partake because you've sinned, right? You need to be reminded of what this, of what Christ has done. So, with that, um, as. Brother Dan comes up and, and, and prays for us. Uh, we'll just begin in the back, and the back rows come forward, take their um, cup and bread and go back to their seat, and we'll just go all the way to the front, and then we'll eat and drink together. Brother Dan.